Hey, you're not late, are you? And God is never late, even on Time Change Sunday. Proud of you for being here. God's gonna speak to you today because it may be Time Change Sunday, but you're on God's standard time. And God is never too early, he's never too late, he's right on time. And he planned before he created the world that you would be here this day. That he would be here to meet you in a divine appointment on God's standard time. Maybe you're at our Atascacita campus or here in the Woodlands or worshiping with us online, maybe on the other side of the world, but it's still the same time. The time zone is the same. It's God's standard time, and he's here right now. He's with you right now, and he wants to meet your need. I don't know what your need is, but we all have needs and burdens, and I'm thankful that we can just worship him and give him all the problems and burdens in our lives. It's never too late for God to come through for you. Don't run ahead of God. A lot of times... I get tired of waiting. It's like, God, I don't get it. His timing is not my timing. And sometimes I try to help God out and run ahead of God. But I want you to know, just like that Woodlands Worship song says, it's worth the wait because God's best is coming. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. You wait for God's best. It's worth the wait. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you that you have something amazing in store for us today that only you can do. You know everyone's needs, Lord. You know we all carry burdens and hurts. We all have needs, and I thank you that you love us and that you wanna meet those needs to show us that you're real. And Lord, you wanna have a deep relationship with us. You want us to understand more about you, and that's what it's all about, relationship, not religion. So I pray today that you would just Help us experience you in such a way that it would change our lives forever. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. This weekend we're concluding the series we've been in, five things God wants all his kids to remember. And the one we're talking about today has been one of the most important things Chris and I have learned about God over the years. But I have to admit, I quickly forget it. I have to be reminded all the time that where God guides, God provides. Whenever I forget this truth, I'm instantly overcome by worry, or I get so paralyzed by fear, I don't go where God is guiding. One of the most life-changing things you need to know about our God is where he guides, he provides. Whatever he asks you to do, he'll give you the strength to do. Now I said where God guides, God provides. It's not God provides and then he guides. No, that wouldn't require faith. We would never know we have a God we can trust with everything in our lives. When God is getting ready to do something amazing in your life, he starts by giving you a problem. When God is getting ready to do something really, really amazing in your life, he starts by giving you an impossibility. First, God guides and you step in faith. You see, then God provides. You have to go through the test before you're blessed. And you can't really learn this truth until you take the test first. You have to experience it to really learn it. And God doesn't want you just to learn about him. He wants you to experience him. 
So I want to look at this miracle today that Jesus did so the disciples could learn this very important truth where God guides, God provides. And boy, did he provide. Jesus provided more than they could even receive. And the same God wants to provide for you more than you can even receive. So would you stand in honor of God's word? We're gonna look at Luke chapter five, beginning with verse four. When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You can be seated. Right before the passage we just read, it says that Simon Peter and his business partners had pulled their boats up on shore, and they were washing their nets. You see, this was something that professional fishermen did after they had fished all night in the Sea of Galilee. You had to wash your nets. The nets were huge. They were really strong, and they had to wash the nets. They had to make sure the nets were in good shape for the next day because their livelihood depended on it. They would wash the nets, oil the nets, hang the nets up to dry, and get them ready for the next night of fishing because everything depended upon those nets. But think about it. They had to work just as hard preparing the nets and cleaning up their boats whether they caught a lot of fish or no fish. They had to work just as hard either way. And this particular night, it says they had fished all night and hadn't caught anything. And so their business took a nosedive during the night. If they didn't catch any fish, they couldn't provide for their families. And I'm sure that as they were doing all the hard work, cleaning their nets, all the things they had to do, whether they caught a lot of fish or no fish, they had to be discouraged. They had to have been filled with worry and anxiety just thinking about how they were gonna pay the bills, how they were gonna feed their family. But the great news is, the source of provision walked into their lives at just that moment. While they're washing their nets and hanging up their nets after a long night of not catching a thing, Jesus the provider walks into the picture. I love that Christ walks right into the point of their need when they needed him the most. And that's what Jesus does for us. He's right there when we need him most. He's right there when you feel the most anxious. He's right there when you're more discouraged than you've ever been. He's right there when you feel more overwhelmed than you can ever remember. He meets us right where we are so he can meet our deepest need. But the disciples didn't realize it at the time. They just weren't thinking that way. They were thinking about their need. They were so discouraged. They were so worried, so anxious about what they were gonna do. But Jesus was there to provide for them, to give them exactly what they needed. So what is it that you need today? Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a need in your family. 
or in your job or in your business. Maybe it's a need in your life that is so painful right now you can barely talk about it. Well, God knows about it. I want you to realize today that Jesus shows up in the most desperate places in your life and he wants to show you that he's real and that he loves you. Jesus, the provider, walks right into the picture and he's right there to meet your need. Now, Simon Peter says this in Luke 5, verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. He's saying our nets are empty, but I think he was saying our lives feel a whole lot like our nets look. Empty. Empty on the inside. Simon Peter had been fishing all night, had nothing to show for it, just empty nets. But I believe the emptiness went much deeper. Their lives felt empty even though they had met the Messiah. They had already met Jesus Christ. They hadn't known him for long, but they knew Jesus. They knew who he was. They were connected to Christ, but they were still looking for fulfillment in what they could achieve, in what they could accumulate. They were still looking for significance through their successes, and that's a dangerous game to play, trying to find your significance through your successes, because when a failure comes into your life, you lose your significance. You lose your job, you lose your significance. They had really tied up their self-worth with their net worth, and that's poisonous because when their business took a dip, their lives felt completely empty. And your life can be filled with the finest things money can buy, but you can be completely empty on the inside. Your schedule can be filled with important meetings with powerful people, but your life be completely empty. And one of the saddest things I see in our society today is so many people with so much to live on but nothing to live for, empty on the inside. Until you learn to go where God guides and step out in faith, you'll always feel empty because you're not fulfilling the purpose which God put you on the planet for. He wants you to step in faith and go where he guides because that's where he provides. Now, Simon Peter's nets were empty. His bank account was empty. I'm sure he felt empty, and he didn't realize the great provider was right there to provide. But he did something really smart. He invited Jesus onto his boat. Jesus would get into a boat and go out into the water, and the crowd would just sit there on the hillside, and Jesus would preach to them. He'd use the boat as kind of a stage and The acoustics were amazing because his voice would carry over the water and up on the hillside to the thousands. And I've been there on the Sea of Galilee and there's so many natural amphitheaters. Why? Because God knew that that's where his son would go. And he already prepared it when he created the world. It's amazing. I mean, you can get like 15, 20,000 people just going up on a hillside like an amphitheater all around the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus would go out into the water on a boat, and then he would preach. He would speak to the people. Now, Simon Peter invited Jesus on his boat to preach to the crowd. On that day, Simon Peter said, Jesus, come on. The miracle provision would have never happened if Peter hadn't invited Christ onto his boat. And if you want Jesus to meet your need, you have to invite him onto your boat. Invite him into the most important areas of your life. If you're a single adult, invite Jesus into your dating. That's so important because you're going to marry someone that you date. How profound is that? 
I mean, aren't you glad you came to church today if you're a single adult? But I mean, if you've dated 10 consecutive losers, 10 out of 10, then your chances are 100% you're gonna marry a loser. So mix it up a little bit, okay? Invite Jesus into your dating. If you're married, invite Christ into your marriage. Invite Christ into your family. Invite Christ into your business. Invite Christ into your finances. Invite him onto your boat. If you want God to meet your needs, he's gotta be in the boat with you. And if you're a Christ follower, he's already in the boat. But you tried to push him below deck. Let him be the captain. Now, look at Luke chapter five, verse four. It says, when he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Jesus tells Peter to cast his nets into deep water. Now, Peter and all professional fishermen in the Sea of Galilee knew that when you're fishing in the Sea of Galilee, you fish in the cool of the night, in the shallows of the Sea of Galilee. Now, sometimes you'd have to go across the lake and risk your life in one of those storms to get to where the fish were biting to provide for your family. And by the way, on the Sea of Galilee, those storms come up so quickly. And it's the topography and it's the weather patterns, but these storms get really violent really fast. And they're unpredictable many times. But every professional fisherman knew that you always fished in the cool of the night in the shallows in the Sea of Galilee. It was a great place to fish. It provided a great livelihood if you knew what you were doing if you were a professional fisherman, and Simon Peter was, but now Jesus is telling Peter, I want you to fish in the heat of the day out in deep water. Hey, it's gonna be amazing, Peter. It made no sense to Peter. It went against everything that he had experienced. But that's important for us to understand because we really only experience the miracle of provision when we take a step of faith and obey God, even if we don't understand it completely even when God guides us into something unknown. He's guiding us so that he can provide for us. Now, usually we want to really ask God to explain it to us. and We don't wait to take that step until we know a little bit more from God. That's what we want. We want God to explain everything to us first. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, I want you to fish in the heat of the day in the deep water. And Simon Peter's thinking, that's not going to work. But if it would have been me, I would have said, now Jesus, tell me a a little more about what you're asking me to do here because I've never fished like that before. I've never heard this before. I mean, do you know something I don't know? Is there a big cold front coming through? It's gonna change everything? I mean, because it's never been like that, Jesus. Or have the fish just gone nuts? I don't think so, Jesus. So what's going on here? You need to really explain to me why I should do this because this makes no sense. That's what we usually do. But Jesus doesn't give Peter any explanations. He just expects him to obey whether he understands it or not. Whether he even believes anything is gonna happen or not, Jesus expects him to obey. And if we want the miracle of provision, we have to obey and take steps of faith whether we understand it completely or not. God's word tells us to take a step of faith and obey, but we usually say, God, how's this going to all end up so I can decide if I wanna take that step of faith? And God says, I want you to trust me so I can give you that miracle of provision. God says, remember, it's not I provide, then I guide. That's no faith. It's where I guide, I provide. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus tells Simon Peter, 
I want you to do something that you're not used to doing. I want you to do something that you've never done before. Jesus was trying to teach Simon Peter that all-important lesson where God guides, God provides. And Jesus knew for Simon Peter to learn this truth, he would have to experience it for himself. The only way Peter would be able to see God provide was to first go where God guided. Now, Jesus Christ is a different type of teacher. He teaches in a very interesting way. Most teachers, school teachers, professors, they give the lesson first and then you take the test. But Jesus, he gives the test first and then the lesson after. You gotta take the test, then you learn the lesson. You experience it. It's not just head knowledge, you experience it with your life. You have to take the test before you can be blessed. You've gotta go where God guides before he provides. Look at Philippians 4.19. It's an amazing promise that God wants you to claim. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Focus on that word all. So what does that include? All. Does that mean your mortgage payment? Yes. Does that mean when your kids get braces? Yes. I mean, God cares about everything. He cares about all your needs. Does he care about that relationship? Yes. Does he care about your family? Yes. Does he care about your business? Yes. He cares about all your needs, and he wants to meet those needs. But with this promise, like so many promises in God's word, there's a premise that goes before the promise. There's a condition, and the condition is, I have to go where God guides. I have to take the steps of obedience to follow him. I need to obey him with my finances and put him first. It's a trust issue. Do you trust God with your finances? Do you trust that God will do what he says? If you obey, he'll provide. Now, Simon Peter was fine with Jesus preaching from his boat like a stage, but when Jesus stopped preaching and he started telling Peter how to fish, that was a different story altogether. Jesus starts telling him how to fish, and Simon Peter, you can just tell, bristles at this. When Jesus asked Peter to do this, Peter says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. Now, focus on the word master, because the Greek word here for master is a word that was only used for a respected, brilliant, gifted teacher. So it sounds like he's complimenting Jesus, but really, he's giving Jesus a backhanded compliment. You, you see, it's a passive-aggressive compliment. He's afraid to show his disgust, so he says, oh, Jesus, you're a master teacher. You're a brilliant preacher. He's complimenting him because he's saying, but we're the professional fishermen. You're awesome in all this spiritual stuff, Jesus. Why don't you just stick to that spiritual stuff? Let us handle the fishing because you don't know what you're doing. This is my business, stay out of my business. And a lot of us treat God that way. It's like, God, I'll give you the spiritual side of my life, whatever that is. You know, like coming to church and all, you're good at spiritual stuff, but you don't understand my business. You don't understand what I do every day. Or God, I can't really trust you with that relationship because you might mess it up. God, I can't really trust you with my finances. I mean, this is real stuff, Lord. And this is important stuff. But Jesus cares, and he's an expert at everything. But give Simon Peter credit. At least he obeys. He swallows his pride and obeys Jesus anyway. 
in Luke 5, 5, he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, I think Peter was obeying on the outside, but he was still rebelling on the inside. He was saying, okay, I'm gonna do that, Jesus, but it's a complete waste of time because you don't know what you're talking about here. You're gonna find that out, but he obeys. He drops the nets into deep water in the heat of the day, and boom, the miracle happens, and Jesus fills up the net, and it starts to break, and he gives him a boatload of fish. No, two boatloads of fish. I love that. God's sense of humor. Jesus goes, okay, I know you don't think I know what I'm talking about, so I am going to bless you so much, you're almost gonna drown. I'm gonna pretty much sink your boat. I love that. The nets are tearing, they're panicking, they can't believe it. Jesus filled Simon Peter's nets, but he couldn't fill his life until his pride had been emptied. And this miracle emptied him of his pride. We see that in Luke 5, verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. You see, Peter fell on his knees and said, Lord, forgive me, because Peter knew that Jesus knew what he'd been thinking, how he'd been standing up on the inside and rebelling, how he thought Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. And so he fell to his knees and said, I'm a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord. I don't deserve you. Now that word Lord in the Greek is the word kurios, and it means controller of everything. Now notice the progression here. At first, Peter says, oh, you're the master. Oh, you're the master teacher. You're great at teaching. You're great at that spiritual stuff. Stick to that. Stay out of my business. And then once the miracle happens, he says, No, you're the controller of everything. You're the master of everything. I've been trying to control everything, even my business, but you're an expert at my business. And you need to realize that the greatest business guru of all time is Jesus Christ. Invite him into your business. You need to realize that the greatest marriage counselor of all time is Jesus Christ. Invite him into your marriage. You need to realize that the wisest financial advisor of all time is Jesus Christ. Invite him into your finances. You need to realize the greatest time management expert of all time is Jesus Christ. Invite him into your schedule. It's so important for us to give him all the areas of our lives that are most important to us because he knows what's best for us. And the good news is he wants the best for us even more than we want the best for ourselves. You gotta give Simon Peter credit here. He obeyed. And that obedience activated the miracle of provision. Even though he had just a little bit of imperfect faith, he placed it all out there by casting his net. He obeyed, and obedience brings blessing. It activates the miracle of provision. One of my favorite promises in scripture is Malachi 8, or 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. Simon Peter found that out that day. Now focus on the word tithe because the word tithe just means 10th. And this is the principle of tithing. It's taught all throughout scripture. Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament, but tithing means giving the first 10% back to God. It means giving the first 10% of all I make, the first, not the last, the first 10%, not the leftovers, of all I make back to God in obedience. Now, why did God say 10%? 
I don't know. He could have said 5%. He could have said 30%, but he said 10%. I don't know why he said 10%, but I do know the purpose of it. The purpose is to teach me to put God first in my finances. God says, everything you have is from me. Enjoy it and put me first in it. Give back the first 10% so I can bless the rest. He says, obey me in this, this discipline of tithing. And it's a discipline. You don't just give when you feel moved. You don't just give because, oh, you know what? Got a little extra. No, it's just a discipline. It's a discipline whether you feel like it or not, whether you understand it totally or not. It's like what Simon Peter did. He cast out his empty net. In faith, he did it even though he didn't feel like it, even though he wasn't sure God was going to come through. But he did it. You put God first in one of the most important areas of your life when you tithe. You cast out that net, whether you have a little or you have a lot. It's just a spiritual discipline. It's a weekly discipline to put God first in your finances. That's why you need to figure out how you're gonna do it so that you will do it so that you can put God first because you want God to be in this important area in your life. Now, focus on the phrase in that last verse, put me to the test. God says in the area of tithing, you can put me to the test. Now, Scripture says we're never to put God to the test in any area except this one. God says, I want you to put me to the test in this one. God says, I, I know this is a struggle for you. I know that, that you, you know, think that your finances are so important, and they are. And so I, I want you to put me to the test, and you'll find out that I will provide if you will step out in faith where I guide and obey, even if you don't understand it, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless you in ways that money can never bless you. You're gonna have fulfillment and peace, and then I'm gonna give you provision. I'm gonna bless your finances. I'm gonna give you back more than you can give. That's God's promise. I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you so great you won't be able to contain it. God says, I want you to learn this principle. I want you to take this step of faith. <clears throat> and you have to make it a discipline. You gotta choose a time to start, and that start has to be now. Now, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is now, today. And, and <clears throat> you know, God taught me this principle of tithing years ago when you know, my parents gave me a dollar, then I was to give back the first 10 cents to God. And I go, why that 10 cents? I could buy some candy. That was a long time ago. <clears throat> and then I made $100 mowing lawns. I had to give the first $10 back to God. And it's like, does God really need that? Dad, does God really need that? And he said, no, but you do. You need to learn how to put him first. And then when Chris and I got married, we made a commitment. Okay, we're going to tithe. And then when things were really tight, and it's like, man, how can we do that? You know, we would waver. And then we'd tithe, and God would always come through. You see, I got to learn that early on. And by the way, over half of all marriages that end in divorce, the reason is because of arguing over finances. And so when you put God first in your finances in marriage, it takes all that out. And you find God's peace, you find God's provision. And you see that God is real and that God's word is true. And so if you've never done that, when you first do that, you won't understand it completely. And you will wonder, is God really gonna come through? Wow, I mean, this is a lot, 10%. You know, I, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. 
And it's not because I'm telling you this, it's God's word. And I know so many of you know this because two years ago, 20 years ago, you started practicing this discipline of putting God first in your finances, going where God guides, and God has provided abundantly to show you that he's real. But God says, you can test me in this one. That's why at Woodland Church, we just come alongside God and we say, okay. He says you could put him to the test individually in this area, so we can put him to the test in this area as a church. And so to help you, we have what we call a tithing challenge. And I know that thousands of you have taken this challenge and you've seen God come through and you've learned the spiritual discipline of tithing, but if you haven't taken the tithing challenge, here's what it is. Start tithing today and tithe for the next three months. Give God the first 10% of all you make for the next three months. And if God doesn't come through and meet your needs financially, then call the church office and say, God didn't come through. I just took the tithing challenge. God didn't come through. And we will cut you a check for the amount that you gave over those three months plus interest. No questions asked. No questions asked. It's like, oh yeah, I tithe for the last three months. Yeah, 20 bucks and I need it back. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, no questions asked. All you have to do is on your check today, just put tithing challenge somewhere. Or when you give online, just type in tithing challenge. And we put it in our records. And I'm telling you, you take this tithing challenge. You test God in this. We come alongside God because God's word is true. And we just want to help you. If that helps you at all, take a little step. Encourage. Because we don't want you to miss the blessings that God has for you. And that's why we do this. You see, for the next three months, you tithe, give God the first 10%. God doesn't come through. You call the church office, we'll cut you a check for that amount, plus interest. Over those three months, no questions asked. Why do we do that? Because we know God is a God of his word. God comes through and we want you to experience it. Why do we do that? Because if that just helps you a little bit to have some courage to put God to the test, we just wanna help you put God to the test to see that his promises are true. And you know if his promises on finances aren't true, then neither are his promises about eternal life. How do I know this? How do I know that eternal life is true? Well, God's promises are true. I don't know how some people can trust God with their eternal destiny, but they don't trust him with their finances here on earth. It makes no sense. And when you do this and put God first, God begins to show you the other things to do in your finances, budgeting that's so important, getting out of debt that's so important, saving that's so important, all these other biblical principles, but it starts with putting God first. In the Old Testament, there was a time when the people of God who knew they were to tithe gradually stopped doing it. Because they said, you know what? Economy's a little scary. Not sure what the future holds. And God, do you really need that? I mean, you know, there are a lot of bills to pay. And so they just stopped obeying God. They weren't tithing. They weren't putting him first. They weren't trusting the provider to provide. In Haggai 1.6, God says this to them. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. He's saying you work really hard, but you have no fulfillment. He says you have stuff, but it just leaves you empty. And then he says, and your wages disappear like you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. That's so interesting, that imagery. 
it reminds me of the net that Peter washed and took care of and made sure it was mended, there were no holes in it. We have a divine fishing net, but many times we have holes in it because we're not obeying God in this area of giving him the first part of our income. And so we're always casting out that net and we're reeling in these big fish. Oh, this is gonna really satisfy. I just got a promotion and you reel it in, still leaves you empty. We cast out our net and go, oh, this relationship, yeah, this is perfect, and then reel it in and there's nothing there. You've got holes in your divine fishing net. And you wonder, where's all the money go? And you wonder, where's the fulfillment? when I do have stuff, because you've got holes in your fishing net. The way you mend that net is just obey God one step at a time, one step at a time. Look at Luke 5.11 as we continue this miracle. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Focus on those two words, left everything. They surrendered their profession, their possessions, their little plan for their lives, their family. They surrendered it all to Christ. Now, there's evidence to show in Scripture that they didn't sell off their fishing business. Simon Peter kept his fishing boat, and I'm sure that they kept their fishing business and kept doing some fishing, but they surrendered it over to God. They said, God, help us use this business in the way you want us to. We give it to you. You're the expert. You're the expert in this business. You can fill our nets anytime you want, and they gave their little plans of trying to control everything to God. They surrendered it all to God. They surrendered their whole life to God. Why? Because when you realize how much Jesus loves you, then you know you can trust him with everything you have. When you realize that he cares about the most important things that you care about, then you surrender your finances to God because he wants to meet your needs even more than you want your needs met. You surrender your relationships to God because he cares more about your relationships than you do. You surrender your family to God because he cares more about your family than even you do. He knows what's best for you and he cares about you and he wants the best for you more than you want the best for yourself. And here we see that Christ's divine provision gives me a bigger vision. When you take a step of faith where God guides and you see God provide, it gives you a bigger vision for your life. In Luke 5, Six and seven, it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It opened their eyes to the big things God wanted to do in their lives. And when you discover the principle where God guides, God provides, you get a bigger vision for what he wants to do in your life. And you also get a stronger faith. In Luke 5, 9, It says, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. God wants to astonish his kids. God wants to astonish you by his provision. He wants to astonish you by the way he comes through. He wants to astonish you that he's in control and he's the expert in everything that's important in your life. God wants to astonish you. And when you go through a time where you're taking steps of faith and you don't see God come through, but you keep taking those steps of faith and God comes through in a mighty way, which he will and he always does, it builds your faith. So the next time you're taking a step of faith and you're thinking, okay, God, are you gonna come through? Then you remember the last time. You came through last time. 
and I believe you're gonna come through this time. I'm gonna take that step of faith. And it builds your faith, and it builds your faith, and it builds your faith. It builds your faith to step out bigger and believe God for bigger things and greater things in your life. But then, thirdly, when you put God first, you see a higher purpose. You begin to see a higher purpose for your life. In Luke 5.10, it says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So he's saying, hey, Simon, you gave me your business. Okay, that's great. Well, from now on, I'm going to elevate your business. You're not going to fish for fish alone. You're going to fish for people's souls. And I'm going to use you as the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. And through you, I'm going to change the world. And so, yeah, I want you to keep doing your fishing business. But as you've given it to me, I'm going to elevate the business. I'm going to bless you in that fishing business so you can be a blessing. But I'm also going to take you to a higher purpose so that you can see that everything, everything you do is all about serving me. And I'm going to use you to change the world. Have you given your business to God? When you give your business to God, God elevates your business. He turns it into a ministry so that you minister to the people at your workplace. And you realize that. God blesses you to be a blessing, to be a blessing to build his church so that his body can change the world. You see, when you give God that relationship, you see that God has purposed it and God wants you to be a minister to that other person. God wants to teach you more about himself through the relationship. God wants to teach you patience. You know, some people are like, Heavenly sandpaper to me. It rubbed me the wrong way, but it's God's purpose. That sandpaper smooths out my rough edges and makes me more like God. How many of you have someone who's heavenly sandpaper in your life? Raise your hand. Yeah. Don't look at him. He's sitting next to you. Okay. I was just telling you over here, don't, don't look at him. But we all have that. And, and you give God a relationship, it's that Okay, God, you're using this in my life and you're teaching me how to love and to be more like you. And you give God your workplace. You give God your schedule and he changes it into a higher purpose for his glory to build his church to change the world. You see it totally differently. Changes everything. You have a higher purpose that brings fulfillment. You're not just trying to live the American dream. You're doing God's dream. Nothing wrong with the American dream, but that's not going to satisfy. God's dream for your life is what brings fulfillment. The secret to Woodland Church has been where God guides, God provides. I mean, every step of the way, as we've stepped out in faith, God has provided. But he doesn't provide until we step out in faith. I mean, when Chris and I first started the church and we let everyone we knew know about it, and 15 people showed up at our first service, and we said, okay, God, you provided. We're ready to go, and then the next week, eight people showed up. We lost half the congregation in a week. We go, okay, God, what in the world? Did we miss it? But God kept reminding us, don't worry about that. Just keep taking steps of faith. I'll provide. And we just kept taking steps of faith, little steps of faith, little steps of faith. That's the only way it is with God. That's all you can do with God, and that's all you need to do with God. 
You take another step of faith, and then God provides. You take another step, God opens the door. You take another step, and when you don't see God come through, you take another step. And you don't see God come through, you take another step, and he will provide. And and by the way, the greater the wait, or the longer the wait, the greater the wave. The longer the wait, the greater the wave of blessing in your life. It's like this: when a tsunami comes in, all the water goes out before the big wave comes in. And so maybe you've been waiting on God and you're taking steps of faith. You're taking steps of faith. I'm telling you, the longer the wait, the greater the wave of God's blessing that's coming. That's what you do. You take steps of faith. And every step of the way, we've taken a step of faith and God builds our faith. But I have to say that every time, Will and Church, we take a step of faith, we take a bigger step, and every time, I forget that where God guides, God provides, because it's like, okay, God, I know you're calling us to take this huge step. Aren't you calling us to? And then I start feeling some worry. God, are you gonna come through? And then I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, you've always come through, and where you guide, you provide. And even if I'm not sure and I start feeling anxious, I take the step anyway because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is stepping in faith in spite of your fear. Every great man or woman of God who's ever done anything with God's power and strength to make a difference in this world has had fear. Don't think because you have fear that you're not like the great men and women of God. I used to think that. No. They always are afraid, but they don't let that fear keep them from stepping in faith and believing their great God. And that's what we do at Woodlands Church. We keep taking steps of faith. And every time God builds our faith, but yet every time I gotta go, wow, God, are you gonna provide? I'm gonna trust you. And we're taking the biggest step of faith we've ever taken as we move into our 30th anniversary as a church next fall. We're stepping in faith to make such a powerful difference in Houston to build our campus there, right there in downtown Houston, to make a difference. We're taking ministries all over the world like we never have before to make a difference for Jesus Christ to change the world. We're stepping out in faith to reach children and young people who are gonna be raised up to change the world. That's what God's doing. But I'm telling you, as we're getting ready to take this giant step of faith, biggest biggest one we've ever taken, I'm like, God, um, you're gonna come through, right? And then I remember where God guides, God provides. And he's gonna do it again. And he's gonna use you, he's gonna use me. And why? Because he wants to do something bigger and greater in our lives. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Whenever my priorities get all out of line and I begin to get anxious, I just go back to this. Put God first, and everything else falls into place. If I try to get everything in place, get my life in order, never works. So I just go back to this. I'm gonna put God first. I'm gonna give him that first day of the week, give him an hour, come to worship like you just did, or worship online, and God's gonna bless the rest of the week. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna give God the first part of my day. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna... Read his word so God can bless the rest of my day. I'm gonna give God the first portion of my finances so God can bless the rest, whether I feel like it or not or understand it completely or not. I'm gonna give God the first consideration in every decision so he can bless my decisions. You see, that's just what it comes down to. It's so simple and yet it's so profound, isn't it? 
and we forget it all the time. Just put God first and everything else starts falling into place. I want us to, at this time, take our offering. We're doing a little bit different today. We're, we're gonna take our offering and if you've never taken the tithe challenge, I challenge you to take it today. God says, test me in this. Start tithing today and you don't care. I don't know, I just, you know, I, I, don't, I, I can't really afford to. I don't really have it. Well, that's why it's faith. You give and then God blesses. I don't want you to miss out on knowing God is real, on knowing that God is real and he cares about you. And so thousands of you at Woodland Church have learned this and you've taken the tithing challenge. I have people come up to me almost every week and say, Pastor Kerry, when you preached about tithing five years ago or two years ago or 10 years ago, I started doing it. Man, God made himself real to me. God just provides and now I'm giving more and more. And I've heard that so many times. And so if you've never done it, you're not gonna understand it totally. You're not gonna totally feel like it, but just, I'm gonna do it today. Write on that check, tithing challenge, or when you go online, just put tithing challenge, you test God. And I'm telling you, he won't fail the test. And remember, the testing comes before that blessing. But the blessing is coming. The blessing is coming. And so, there are many easy ways to give. You can go to wc.org slash give. If you're worshiping with us online, you can do that right now, wc.org slash give. And I encourage you to set up recurrent giving because it's kind of like your mortgage payment because that's really important to you. You just make sure it's taken out every month. Don't wanna be late. And God's more important than your house. And so you want God to be first. I encourage you to do that. You can do one-time gifts and, and do that every time or you can make it recurrent giving. Now you can go to take out your smartphone and text the word give WC, put it together as one word give WC to 77977 and it takes you also to the, our secured giving site. You can give in the offering every week. There are many ways to give. You can give through stocks, you can give through assets, you can give but make it a consistent habit, a discipline and you will see God do things in your life you never dreamed of. You take a step of faith, and God will take you to a whole new level. You take a step of faith, another step of faith, another step of faith, you become consistent in obeying God and putting him first in your finances, and you'll look back, and you'll be where you never dreamed you could be. It's like, how did I come this far? How did I ever come this far? God took you there because of your steps those steps of obedience. That's what God wants to do. So I want us to pray right now. God, I pray that you would just bless us and strengthen us. And Lord, I pray that you would do that by giving us the strength and the faith to take a step of faith in spite of fears, to believe you, to trust you, even when we don't feel it, even when we aren't sure that we believe you. Lord, you honor that obedience, just like you honored Peter's obedience. And I pray, Lord, you would fill our nets to overflowing as we mend the nets by taking a step of faith. And I pray for those who've never taken the tithe challenge, they just start today and they would do it today so they can see that you're real and they can't outgive you and that you wanna meet their every need. And Lord, I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that right now is waiting on you, but they're still taking steps of faith. Remind them that 
The longer the wait, the greater the wave, and it's coming. It's coming. And I thank you, Lord, that the test comes before we're blessed. So help us take those steps of faith, and I thank you, Lord, for what you've done through Woodlands Church and at Woodlands Church, and we've learned, Lord, something so powerful about you that where you guide, you provide. So keep guiding us to take bigger steps of faith, and Lord, don't let me hold us back just because of my fears and anxieties. Help Chris and I keep taking huge steps of faith and challenging our church to take huge steps of faith so that we won't miss out on what you've called us to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, our ushers are gonna come right now and take the offering, and we're giving back to God, and while they are coming, I just wanna remind you, it's three weeks until Easter. Can you believe that? Man, it's gonna be amazing at Easter. I'm, I praise God the time change was three weeks before Easter, so we can get used to it. But we're gonna have 40,000 people come through the doors of our campuses, and we need you, our regular attenders, to serve at a service. In the children's ministry, or helping with the big egg hunt, or driving one of the carts out there, or just being a friendly greeter. We need everyone to serve, and I'm telling you, God's gonna grab hearts and lives, so invite someone to Easter. Invite someone to Easter, they want to come. They're just waiting for someone to invite them, and God can get a hold of their heart. And by the way, our pastors, starting on Tuesday, are praying, daily praying from 1 to 1.30 together, we're praying for God to do miracles this Easter, resurrection miracles, to bring people to know him as Lord and Savior. We're praying for you for God's blessings. We're praying for those of you who just started the tithing challenge for God's blessings beyond measure. We're praying for you. And I hope you'll pray. Maybe pick 30 minutes, 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day to pray for Easter coming up. It's gonna be so creative, so powerful. We do all this, why? Because we love Jesus and we want people to know him. We want people to know our Savior. Hey, Woodland Church, think back on your life. If you're a Christ follower, think back on your life, how God has brought you through every time. Because you're probably at a place where right now God has asked you to take another step and you're not sure if he's gonna provide. God, are you gonna provide? I mean, man, there's a lot of things out there that are uncertain. God, are you gonna come through? And you're taking steps of faith. I want you to remember that he did it before and he'll do it again. He will do it again. And maybe it looks like that wall is not gonna fall, but he's done it before, he'll do it again. He's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. Would you stand Woodland Church and would you say to a neighbor, God's gonna do it again. Don't worry, God's gonna do it again. Say that to two or three people, God's gonna do it again. You can count on it. Where God guides, God provides. God's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. You stop saying that, keep saying it. He's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. Let's sing that and claim that and watch for God to come through this week. He's gonna do it again. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.